Let's just pray and we'll get into it. Lord, I, uh, I want to thank you for what you're doing. I want to thank you, Lord, that you're building your church. I want to thank you that uh, Paul said, you know, Apollos waters I plant, but you build. You're the builder. Lord, you said, I will build my people. Lord, and so, Father, tonight I ask the spirit of revelation would come. I pray, God, that our ears, which are our spiritual ears, would be open to hear and to receive what you want us to hear and receive tonight, Lord. And I thank you that you're growing the church into a mature state. I thank you that you're growing her up to the perfect stature, the mature stature, the representation of you on the earth, that when the world looks at the church, it sees you and knows that you were sent for, uh, for them, God. Lord, I thank you that you've empowered us with your Holy Spirit. I thank you that you've empowered us with your living word for change and transformation. I thank, Lord, that at the cross, you don't only just die for my nature, you died for the power of sin to be broken off my life forever. That I would overcome the challenges and not be kept in bondage to the things that hold me back, God. That you literally released me from the power of death, the sting of death, the sting that would keep me downtrodden, God. You've released that to me. So, God, I pray you would reveal that into our hearts tonight, God. For the transformation that you want to do internally which brings life externally. We can't put it on. It's not like clothes that we can put on, Lord. It's an internal transformation that causes the external to align to it. So God, I pray tonight for internal transformation. I pray for internal transformation in the heart, internal transformation in the mind, that we would be aligned to the truth because the truth sets us free. It's the person, Jesus, that sets us free free. And so Lord, we ask you tonight to bring us into a greater reality of who you are and your purposes for us as your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, I was going to talk to you about something else uh, uh, tonight and then, um, I don't know about you, I had two scriptures and you know, I was thinking, hey, this is the main scripture and I'll start with this. But then as I started to get into my work, the Holy Spirit just shifted it. It was just like, shoom, like that. And so um, I was going to talk to you tonight about buying gold, but uh, I'm going to talk about knock, knock, who's there. And so uh, we have this game with my kids. They go, knock, knock, and I go, who's there? And they say something silly. It's like, you know, it's not like knock, knock, who's there, doctor, doctor, who, you know. (laughs) It's like Lily, it's like knock, knock, who's there, Fred. Fred who? I don't know. <laughs> you know. It's like, so knock, knock, who's there? And uh, I remember actually um, hearing Billy Connolly uh, tell this joke and he said, uh, knock, knock. And the audience went, who's there? And he went, Avon, your bell's knocked. <laughs> Avon, your bell stuffed. Avon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All the English people said, Amen. All the Kiwis went, what? But um, how many people, I don't know, the more I'm on this journey with him and the, the more I'm reading scripture, the more questions I'm asking. Anyone else discovering that? It's just like you start reading passages and all of a sudden it's like, what does that mean? And, and what does this mean? And this is why it's so important that we actually are in his living word. 
It's why it's so important. If, if the church is built and defined by truth, and God has given us uh, as one of the ways to be built and defined by truth is His living word, then doesn't it make sense that we are consumed in this living word? Otherwise, we won't know upside down, back to front. And even if someone comes and, and teaches some of this stuff at a reality that's not ours, we might go, I don't believe in that, I understand that. But we're not in his word, so we don't know. So we make a, an assessment or a judgment in our own level of knowledge. And the Bible says once again, on the measure of the revelation that you have, you'll be built. And so it's this interesting tension. And the more I'm starting to read this, the more questions... I'm starting to ask myself. So I want to speak out of really one passage out of Revelation. It's Revelation 3.20. And so if you want to, hopefully you've got your Bibles on iPad or iPhone or however it comes, um, then turn with me to Revelation 3.20. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to read this out and then... Uh, We'll come back to it and I'm going to give some context to the passage and then I'm going to preach sort of upside down tonight. Normally you go through 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, but I'm going to go 20, 19, 18. And so uh, just uh, come with me, move with me um, and we're going to go backwards, not forwards in uh, what God wants to say. But let's read this out. Revelation 3 verses 20 says this, Behold, everyone say behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone uh, hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. Me. There's two questions I want to ask us is this. How can Jesus be on the outside of the church when we have invited him in? And then how can Jesus come in again when we have already invited him in? So how can Jesus be on the outside of something when we've already invited him into something? And we've already invited him into something, how can he come in again? And so I'm reading this going, man, I've got some questions, God, because what's this about? Sounds a bit bizarre. So I want to give us context because there's a number of things that we need to understand, not just in this passage, but in these passages, so we can get understanding. And the first is this, Jesus is talking to the church. So he's talking to the church of Laodicea. I don't know how many times I've heard preachers preach this as an altar call. And they take this passage of scripture and they go, Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart tonight, Revelation 3.20. If you open the door of your heart, Jesus will come in and live with you and kumbaya. Now, there is truth to that, isn't it? But it's not in this context of this passage. So if you think that this context of this passage is talking to a non-Christian, then you won't look at the other context and you won't think it's for you. So you'll go this way when you should go this way. Do you understand what I'm saying? So we've got to understand that when Jesus says these words, he's talking 
to the church, you and I. So how can Jesus be on the outside of something, the church, and go, let me in? Hmm, interesting, isn't it? So Laodicea is a church, uh, is a city of uh, Pergia, situated on the river, if I can pronounce some of these words, uh, Lycus, not far from Colossae, or Colos. It was destroyed by an earthquake in 66 AD and rebuilt by Marcus Aurelius. Who knows who he was? Anyone seen the gladiator, Marcus Aurelius? (laughs) Russell Crowe, pretty cool, eh? It was the seat of the Christian church. That's fascinating. It was the seat of the Christian church. The second thing that we need to understand that when we read Revelation 2 and 3 and look at the writings to each church, we need to understand that this isn't seven letters to seven individual churches. It's one letter to seven churches. Okay? So they all received, if you were in the church of Laodicea, you're not only reading your report, you're reading the report of the other churches. Because the one letter with all that went out to the seven churches. I used to think it was a letter to this and a letter to that, and they were individual letters to individual churches. Okay, so they're not. They're one letter with all that in it to the seven churches. Now, here's the next thing that we need to do. We understand is what's written in the letter, which if I want to say the edification parts, the good bits, okay, and the uh, correction parts, the not so good bits, are a typology today for the church. So when you see all that stuff, that is currently in the church today. So we have to contend with some of these things. Because all this good stuff and all this not so good stuff is a reflection of typology of what is in the church right now. All that's going on. There's some of this, there's some of that, there's some of this, there's some of that. You with me? Okay. So, I'm going to read it out to us again and then uh, we're going to have a look at this and rip this apart. Behold, I stand at the door And knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. Anybody here watching that program, My Kitchen Rules? No one on this side. Anyone on this side? Oh man, do you know what I'm talking about? No? Okay, it's awesome. And, uh, well, I think so. You obviously don't because you're not really looking at it. But basically, it's a sort of competition where these two chefs and, and there's these sort of, it's, 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 well, it's extended, it's sort of like started with sort of a six couples. And what happens is, is that you invite these people to dine in your home and you have to prepare a three-course meal and these two top chefs, uh, one's a French guy, one's an Australian guy, they come to your home and they judge uh, your presentation, they judge your food, they judge uh, the atmosphere, the hospitality, and they rate you, and it's this competition. And so everybody who's in this couple invite the others, and so you go to five different homes, obviously including your own. 
It's just come and dine with me. And through the dining, there's this intimacy, there's discussion, and uh, they're, they're building relationship. And this is what Jesus is saying to you and I. He says, I'm knocking on the door and I'm asking, can I come in because I want to dine with you. I want to sit with you. I want to be with you. I want to be intimate with you. Not just born again. Not just your saviour. I actually want to be your friend. I want to be your father. I actually want to get to know, well, I know you. You don't necessarily know who I am. I want to dine. I want to eat with you. I want to commune with you. I want you to sit with me in my presence for the sake of sitting with me in my presence. Not doing anything. You know what? We're so ministry minded. It's sickening. We're so besotted with ministry and doing. Yet Jesus created us for intimacy and relationship and love first. And then. But if we never settle that issue first, you know what? We're constantly looking to find our way. That message about we're big, um, what was it? Uh, ra, uh, that planks banging into one another. Martin Steele's message, banging, banging. Where am I going to find my thing? Where am I going to find my thing? I need to have a role here. No, you don't. Just come and be. Dine with him. Dine with him. He wants to dine with us. There's a level of intimacy that God wants to bring the church into which will empower the external. Do you realise that? There's a level of intimacy that the Father wants to come into our hearts so much that we would say these words. My life, up until this moment of receiving this, has been rubbish. Paul said it like that. He said, I'm the Pharisee of the Pharisees. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. I am the man of the man of the man. I was besotted. I'm doing these things. Think of Jesus. And when he meets Christ, when he comes into this intimacy, this dining with Christ, in a moment, in Galatians 1.11, 6 speaks it beautifully, it was not what man preached. I had direct revelation from heaven. He then says in Philippians, I think it is 3, I consider everything rubbish compared to this knowing of him. And then he says this, I pray, Ephesian church, I pray that you would also... I pray the spirit of revelation would come upon you. Why? So you would know the transformation of knowing the Father. That you would be able to say that you love Him with all your heart and that be appropriated in your life. That your life would look absolutely devoted to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and everything else would be a stumbling second and third and fourth. There would be such a gap between Him and others because it's now the right way round. You see, there's a level of intimacy that will transform and empower change. So he says, come dine with me. Do you know me like that? And I'm knocking on the door. I'm knocking. And I'm looking for someone that's going to open the door. Let me in. I want to come in and do a work in your heart. A revelation in your heart that will bring you to another reality of me. It's awesome. And this is for us. Listen to what the word door means. and It's the word vestibule. Vestibule. This is what it means. So this is the word door in that passage. Okay. So I'm knocking at the door. That word door is the word vestibule, which means this. An entrance hall or lobby of a building, a church porch. Now also in this, 
when, you look, uh, when I looked under and I went to the context um, in the Blue Letter Bible, it says these words, The door of the kingdom of heaven, likened to a palace, denotes the conditions which must be comp- complied with in order to be received into the kingdom of God. Let me read this out again. The door of the kingdom of heaven, likened to a palace, denotes the conditions which must be complied with in order to be received into the kingdom of God. Now I'm going to touch on this a little bit later, okay? But here's the thing. How many people think the church is a building? Anybody? Is not anymore. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. That's awesome. I love that. Not anymore, man. I tell you, we've been sold a lie. And our language has to appropriate our belief. The world thinks the church is a building. The world thinks the church is a place you come and worship. The world thinks the church is a destination point. You know what? Half the church does too. You and I are the church. You and I are his people. It's living, living stones that he wants to form and shape and mature and grow up into. Why? So we can be this beautiful statue, this mature church that lives, that births life to an earth. So when he's talking about here, he's not talking about a wooden structure. There's something deeper, the spiritual truth that God's trying to permeate to us and show us. He's talking about us. So, this word, now when we, so we know the church isn't a building, so when we look at that word vestibule, and en- this is what it is, an entrance hall or lobby of a building, a church porch, it's referring to you and I. We know Christ is on the outside of this door because he says, if anyone opens the door, I will come in. So I want to ask this another question. How can Jesus be on the outside of the church when we have invited him in? How many of you know Jesus asks questions all the time? Why do you think he did that? Why don't you just tell him the answers? Who can tell me? Good man. He wanted them to go after something. He wanted them to think deeper. He wanted them to seek. He wanted them, hold on a minute. See, our role here is not necessarily to, to teach per se, it's to provoke you to think. It's to provoke you to go after him. So yeah, we're going to teach and we're going to preach, but in the hope that we provoke you to seek him. That's why Jesus was constantly asking questions. Who do you say I am? What about this? What about that? Who are you? What's going on? It's an active pursuit thing. Will you come after me? It's awesome. He wants to dine with me and you. This is the, this is the God that goes, Whoa. Gee, look at that light. That was pretty impressive, eh, Jeremy? That's pretty impressive. Look at all the animals and creation I created in a short space of time. Why? Because at the spoken word, it happened. This is the God that came and died, rose again on the cross. And as I said, not just for the nature of sin that you can go to heaven, for the power of sin for you to be released from. That you can, me and you can literally overcome stuff. Because he's given us his power, his dunamis power, and his living word. This is the God that wants to come in and have intimacy with you and I. 
And we give him the time and space that he deserves. This is what this whole message is about, repenting. I'll tell you what my instancy looks like, or used to look like, that I'm dying to, with this thing called football in Liverpool. I'll tell you how much I know about Liverpool Football Club, yeah? I could tell you the year the club was established. I could tell you every manager they've had probably since the 1950s. I can tell you the, the greatest signing of the players and who they've bought over the last 25 years. I could tell you what boots the football players wear. I could tell you what players they're going after in the market. I could tell you about the new manager that they just signed. I can tell you I went there seven times and spent all this money going there. I can tell you that I used to pay for Sky and cost me $70 a month. I can tell you that I dragged other people into this love that I have for football who would come round at 3 o'clock in the morning and we'd watch a box with these men running around with funny little shorts on kicking a ball. <laughs> you want more? I can tell you I could talk like that all the time because I'm Liverpool bred and born. <laughs> what? <laughs> Does this look like I love this thing? Why? Because I've got intimacy with it. I dine with it. Used to. God told me to give back Sky this year. Nothing wrong with sport, Greek. No, not at all. Just my heart. Release. I want more of you. I want to come and dine with you. You're giving this thing to this, this, this thing, whatever it is. I want that. Now what I'm saying is you've got to hear that. So I'm not saying rush off and stop giving away Sky. and all. You've got to hear. If you have ears to hear, and then just be obedient to that. But literally God wants this type of love literally in our hearts. Will your words and your actions line up? So if we were to do an audit, you would see what comes out of your mouth, yes, I love God, with a lifestyle that says that. If those two things don't add up, how many people know there's something wrong? And I'd rather face that before my judgment seat now than at the judgment seat, where there's no promotion after the grave, and go, well, this is what I had, but you know what? I was knocking. And you were saved, but I was knocking. And you let me in, then you shut the door, and we did something, then I'm knocking again. You see, this is a whole journey of intimacy where we are going to be defined more and more through our revelation. How do you get revelation? Through intimacy. How do I know my wife more than you do? If Danielle walked in here now, and said something, she may, I'll give you a context, she may say something and you would all hear the words she'd say, but I would say she never said that at all. She said this. And you'd go, no, no, man. I even recorded it on my iPhone, on my iPad. Because she was pretty ticked with you or whatever which she said. <laughs> she said this. And I say, she didn't say that. She said this. What's the difference? Intimacy. I know more than you know. So it's not necessarily the words that are coming out. It's can you hear? Can you hear the trumpet? Can you hear the frequency? Can you hear? Can your spirit and my spirit? Can you hear? That's what Jesus said all the time. He'd speak and stuff, and they go, "What? Well, come here and let me tell you what it means." See, it's of the spirit. We're of the spirit, not the flesh. And Jesus is going, man, I want to dine with my church. There is stuff I want the church to come into. There are purposes, my purposes I want the church to come into. How many of us think it's about just getting saved and waiting for heaven? I used to. I honestly used to think that's it. Just get everybody saved. And that's it. That's a great start. 
that is not the end goal. The end goal is much greater than that. And the reason why, how can Jesus be on the outside of the church when we invite him in is this, that we need to understand that the message is two-parted. Jesus and the kingdom. Jesus and his kingdom. When Jesus came, he said, repent because the kingdom has come. He didn't even really talk about that stuff to you know, get reconciled to me. He just came preaching a kingdom message. Now, where's the kingdom? This message. Where did Jesus also say the kingdom of God was? In us. See, the kingdom of God, firstly, is an internal, invisible transformation of wholeness for you and me. It's an internal work of submitting. That's why when he said to Nicodemus, if you want to be born so again, you must be born, sorry, if you want to see the kingdom, you must be born of the Spirit. But if you want to enter into more, if you want to be justified, but if you want to enter more, if you want to enter into more of what I have, you must be born of water and the Spirit. You must be obedient and faithful and walk into for understanding to come. You see, we want to step outside. We want to be justified. Step outside and go, okay, until you make this all a reality and understand, I'm not going anywhere. So you have to bring the, the revelation to it before I go. But that's not what that says. If you want to enter into, you can see, but you want to enter into a reality, an internal reality, an internal transformation where life comes from within, when the external comes and it looks like it's like a different paradigm and it's supposed to. You've got to take a step of faith and obedience and trust in him and go, you know, I don't understand this, but I've got more faith in you, God, than fear in the enemy. I've got more faith in my brothers and sisters than fear in the enemy. And I'm going to take a launch in and see whether it's true or not. I'm not going to write it off here in my limited understanding because of pride and arrogance in my heart. So he comes, when Jesus comes, I'll give you an example, when Jesus comes to Nicodemus, who knows the story? This is the Israelite teacher. So Jesus comes to Nicodemus and he says, if you want to be born again, you've got to enter into, you've got to be born of the Spirit and water. What does he say? How does a man go back into a woman's womb? There are two completely different conversations going on here. Why? Because Jesus is talking about an internal transformation, a spiritual transformation. The kingdom is a spiritual transformation. And this man's from an earthly mindset trying to figure out what about being born again. How does a man go in there again? Jesus doesn't even give him the time of the day to even talk about that. He just moves on. But Nicodemus follows after him. As we see, he becomes a follower. Why? What was in the heart of Nicodemus? It's a bit weird, but something about Jesus. There's something about this man. There's something about this truth. I'll give you multiple pictures of it. I just gave you one before about Peter. He needs a revelation to come into a greater reality that the Holy Spirit was for the Gentiles. Are you hearing me? Are you with me? So we can't think that, you know what, just because I'm baptised in the Spirit, just because I'm justified, I got it all down and I know all this down. There is more and more and we admitted that. 
when I asked us all, how much, who's, 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 you know, who's got it all down? No. And together we're going to walk. So we find this picture of Jesus knocking on the outside of the church. But yet we've received him as our Lord. But there's more work that he wants to do. So here's my question. And I think this is the most important we can ever ask ourselves. What does God say the picture of the finish line looks like and does my picture match his one? So what does God say the picture of the finish is? And does that picture match my understanding? Put it this way, what is the goal or purpose of our faith relationship with Jesus from his perspective. Challenging questions, aren't they? Because the reality is, you will live your life according to the picture of your finish line. You will, uh, uh, you will set the direction of your life according to what the end looks like. That's why it's so important, I preached this two weeks ago, we have a sight of an eternal perspective. Because when you take the book of Hebrews 11 and you look, and I shared this with you, these men and women had faith for something that they never received in the now. They had sight of a reality in the eternal and they were moving towards that. And the revelation of that very thing transformed their lives on earth and they lived a kind of life, didn't they? Which the Bible acknowledges as these incredible people of faith. So what's the picture look like? What does the end goal look like for you? And the challenge is here is Jesus knocking on the door saying, I've got more to show you. I've got more to show you. But can I come in and dine with you? Or are you on the outside of this thing judging it? No. This ain't a God. This ain't a God. This thing, no, no, that's not. I'm knocking. Is it possible that we could be justified, which means saved, reconciled to God, yet not understand and be coming into more and more of what he has for us? So that's a question. What do we think? Can we be justified? Lord, come into my life. Okay? Can we be in that position? And... Let me read it out again. Is it possible that we could be justified yet not understand and be coming into more and more of what he has for us? So is there more to come into than just that position, do we think? Can we, are we settling that one? Great, okay. It's called maturity. It's called growing up. I love the saying of Jeremy's, we've got to put our big boy pants on and our big girl pants Paul says this, he says, you know, I've come and I've come to share some things with you, but I can't because you're still sucking on milk. You're still on milk. And I've got some gold, but I can't share it because you're still arguing about this and that and you're still doing all these things. I'm just going to read some of this, this out. If it is just about being justified or being saved, and this is our entire focus as his people, then why on earth is Jesus saying that he is on the outside of the church wanting to come in? 
This makes no sense as he is already there. But if his purpose for us is about something much, much greater, then this makes absolute sense and we must seek him for what this is. Jesus says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. Hearing is active. And I'll put here, we can be in a conversation with someone and never hear anything they say. Can't we? Guys are great at this, aren't we guys? You can have a conversation with your wife or a girlfriend or a friend and they're telling you stuff and you don't hear anything that they just said. For a number of reasons, mind you could be switched off, be thinking about something totally else and just going, yep, 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 I remember a story about that when I ate raw meat because I thought Danielle said she was cooking the schnitzel but I was too busy interested in the news and all she said was she was putting it in the fridge and she'd crumbed it and so when I came, <laughs> when I came home and took it out of the fridge and just heated it up because I was starving and put it in the sandwich and put some tomato sauce in it and went, <clears throat> and went, and the thing went snap back in my face. You know how dumb I am? I didn't even realise it wasn't cooked. I was so hungry I just ate it. I thought, man, this tastes a bit weird, but anyway, oh, tomato sauce tastes good. It didn't taste like last night for some reason. Oh, what did you cook it with, Danielle? That's crazy. She comes home. And I don't know why she said this, because I do the dishes, but she said this. She said... Well, the dishwasher does the dishes. I just put them in the dishes. But she said, so where's the, where's the pan that you used to cook the schnitzel? And you know, you have that moment you're going, now <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a muppet. But then I had that other moment where I go, do I tell her? <laughs> we can hear things and never hear them. We can literally be on the outside of a reality that exists, although it is right in front of us. And the only way we can receive this reality is we, if we take a step of obedience and faith, open the door, and seek him for what we are hearing. He promises he will come in and dine with us. The reason we can be on the outside of a reality that exists is because our minds haven't been renewed by the Spirit to this reality and we don't even realise it. This is what Jeanette said this morning. Transformation comes at the renewing of your mind. So God gives us a new spirit. But then he says your mind must be renewed reconformed, reconfigured, changed so you can see and enter into this kingdom reality which is an internal one, not an external one. So you can do signs and wonders and move all that and do all that stuff and that's all good and still hear, I don't know you. Who are you? And you can do all those things which are all wonderful and good and hear, I know who you are. See, it's never been about doing signs and wonders It says those things will follow those who believe. Those things will follow those who are intimate because you've got to be able to hear the voice and step into that reality. And this is this picture of, as I said, with with Peter in Acts. Philip's another one. I'm talking about the disciples. He stands in front of Jesus and Jesus says, Philip, object lesson number one, 
If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What does Philip say? Anyone know? Come on, be bold. What does he say? No, that's Thomas. Show us the Father. Hold on a minute. Man, he didn't hear that. Okay, we'll give him some grace. If you've seen me, Philip, Scott, raised the fish, did all this, calmed the storms down. If you've seen me, you've seen my Father. Show us the Father, Jesus. Are you hearing what I'm saying? How do you stand in front of Jesus and not see the Father? Because you don't have a revelation of who the Father is, yet He stands in front of you. There is a revelation that God is trying to bring bring you and I into in His church, which is an internal revelation of the Spirit, which will transform the mind, which brings accuracy of sight. Where you go, I know who you are. Why? Because the Father told me. See, the difference between Philip and Peter is Peter had a revelation from above and Philip hadn't yet. But guess what? Philip's going that way and Peter's going that way. Why? Because the picture of the finish is different, isn't it? You see this throughout the Gospels all the time. Are your hearts still hardened? I'm not talking about lunch. You've just seen me feed 5,000 people. I'm not talking about lunch in a boat. I'm talking about the leaven of the Pharisees, which is a thinking a type of thinking that thinks it has it all down pat. A type of thinking that is religious in spirit. And it's rampant. And it manifests itself like this. Okay, here do you. Imagine you're a Pharisee. Okay, you're a religious person. You're devoted. You can quote the scriptures back to front of the Old Testament. Okay? You've been studying this scriptures and learning and and meditating and marinating in these things your whole life. You've been praying for the Messiah. And the Messiah comes. But not in the format that you've been thinking He's going to come in in your thinking. And He stands in front of you and says, you look for me in the scriptures, but the reality of what you've been looking for and praying for stands right in front of you. Here I am. What did some of them do? What was the outcome of what they did? Our salvation. Have you ever asked yourself how that happens? How on earth do you pray your whole life, study the Scriptures, and when what you pray for turns up, you do not recognise it? Now, God gives us His Holy Spirit. He brings us into. But He says, you know what? If you're going to come into the greater realities of what I have, which is internal, you've got to walk by faith and you've got to be obedient to what I ask you to do without understanding. And then understanding will come because as you do that, the mind is getting renewed because the Spirit's going to renew it. Are you hearing me? And you know what? We've got to do this together. So it's not about this person doing it on your own. We've got to do it together as a community. That's how God's designed it. Because there's different giftings that bring different parts to the body. And as we do all that together, not one is better than the other. What happens? You and I grow into the full maturity 
called the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, his representation on the earth, and it's a vehicle that releases kingdom life and kingdom resource. So when you go, because you've experienced Christ and Christ is fully radiant in you, you actually are giving life off as an individual and as a community of people. So how do we receive this greater measure of Christ and his purpose for us so our lives will appropriate the greater reality? Are we with me on that one? That the God that we worship is not, not into abstract. Yeah? So if we say something, he's looking for us to model that out. Otherwise it's just hypocrisy. Yeah? So if I say I'm going to do this, then he's expecting me to do that. So how do we become into this greater reality? When we say I love you with all my heart, soul, mind and strength and I love other people. So here's another question. Why is that the greatest commandment? We won't go there. We've been talking about that. But I said why is that the greatest commandment? Commandment. Why is it? Out of 613 Levitical laws, why did you pick that one? So if we say this, if if we articulate this, then if our lives look contrary to that, isn't there a contradiction in terms? Yeah? Okay. So all we need to do is go and be honest with each other and go, well, this is what I'm aiming for. Or maybe you are. Maybe, Maybe you say this and your life matches that. That's awesome. I know mine doesn't in the full reality of want it to be. So I go, wow, I want to give you more. I want to be devoted to you more. You say you'll come and dine with me? If I give you more, if I let you in, if I let go of that stuff, my football and all this stuff, and I let you in, I'm going to have this living reality come forth. You see, you let go, you grab hold of something. It's not let go and grab hold of nothing. He's going to give you his beauty for your ashes. This stuff that's holding us back, all these incorrect mindsets, is killing us. He goes, let go. You can trust me. It's not a big jump. It's a little step. And I'm right here. But it requires you to change. It requires you to buy gold from me that's been refined. And gold's going to cost you something. How many people have bought what they're wearing today? Yeah. Did you get it for free? No. It cost you something, didn't it? Products, services cost us something. This costs us something. This building costs us something. You don't just get it for free. It costs you. There's an exchange. And God says, this is how it happens. I counsel you. I advise you to buy from me gold that's been refined through a fire. You see, your salvation's free. Your justified state didn't cost you anything. cost him everything. Cost him his life to bring you freedom. But your inheritance is going to cost you something. I give you in. I paid the price. Now, work out your salvation. This transformation, work it out in the spirit. Let go. These are all Paul's letters. Deny to yourself. I'm living by faith now. I'm not living in the flesh. Of the Spirit. So, 
The answer to my question, how do we receive more, so it's appropriate, is we must buy gold from him. Not just any gold, but gold that's been refined in the fire. Verse 18, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire. Now here you go, here's the thing, so that. Okay, so as I've just said to you before, God doesn't say do this and you're not going to uh, get anything in return. It's like the reason I'm asking you to let go of this is because I've got this for you. And this stuff makes that stuff. You can't even compare the two. Okay, so this is what he says. If you, I counsel you to buy gold from me, it's going to cost you something. It might cost you a bit of mindset, time, whatever, I don't know, whatever that thing looks like. But if this happens, look, number one, you become rich. Now, once again, I'm not talking about financial riches and blessings. God is into that, and that may be a byproduct of obedience, but he's not talking about that. He's talking about rich in spirit, rich in revelation, rich in aliveness, rich in freedom, rich in joy. If you let go of this, you're going to come more and more and more alive in me. You'll appropriate the things out of your mouth. So to say that we're in freedom, you know, we sing the song, oh, whatever that song is, you know, that Kim Walker song, it's awesome. And then to walk into bondage and chains, there's something wrong with that picture, isn't there? And Jesus wants to set you free from all this, but it's going to cost you more. You can't hang on to that, so, you know, that and get that. There's going to be a letting go. And he comes and he says, you're going to become rich, rich in understanding, Rich in inheritance. I'm knocking on the door. Okay? The second thing, you'll receive white garments to clothe yourself in, which will hide your nakedness. What on earth is he talking about now? You will receive white garments, bridal garments. Revelation 19.7. We've talked about this and you know, if you want to talk more, go have a look at some of the CDs. And the third thing, he says, so you can see. So you can see. Now, once again, he's not talking about physical, spiritual sight. So you can see. Where is the kingdom of God, people? Where did Jesus say it was? 1721. Boom. Spiritual sight. What would I talk about in Hebrews 11? They had spiritual sight to see a promise that they never saw here, but they saw it there. Yeah? Maybe? I've got to read the Word, eh? We've got to get into the Word. This, this is gold. And so we come into a greater reality of understanding. If you want to enter into the kingdom, this internal transformation where you'll start seeing things, you won't ask questions like, how did, how, Simon, how do you go back in there and have that reality again? You won't ask those questions. Why? Because you can see. You can hear. You have understanding, kingdom understanding. You understand the mysteries and we're called to understand because Jesus said, I've given you the Holy Spirit to understand the mysteries, but there's going to be a renewing and a transformation of the mind. Otherwise, you'll build your life up with what your own thinking is. When Jesus said, I'm from another kingdom, he meant it. It thinks differently, it acts differently, it loves differently, it lives differently. It's selfless, not selfish. 
And it's come to transform a whole world. Do you know what? That is to be our reality. We are from another kingdom because we're citizens of heaven. Because the God of the universe lives in us. And so there must be an appropriation of that reality as we let go and as we let go of our fear, as we let go of the enemy who's trying to keep us trapped and bound and, and rob us of our inheritance. But as we walk together in love with the giftings, arm in arm, you know what happens? We start overcoming and we start coming into these greater realities internally and externally of seeing this kingdom manifest itself in the world which looks like signs and wonders and healing and salvation and all these amazing things. But from this perspective, this heart posture, because you can do, I'll reiterate that, you can do all that and still hear, who are you? You see, there is an alignment to it, an accuracy to it. Why did Jesus say this? Here's another question for us, and I'm going to wrap this up so the music guys, you can come. Here's another question. Luke 14, 27. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. These are the red words. Okay, now here's the thing. But harsh. Isn't that, is that harsh? Is it harsh? He's the king. He's the Lord. Shall I read it again? If whoever does not carry his own cross come after me cannot be my disciple. Hey, bury, let the dead bury the dead. Come on. Woo! Bit extreme, Jesus. Come on, that's radical. Here's another one. My mother and my brothers are not these people in front of me. It's those that do the will of my father. Imagine being Mary. You wait till we get home. The only problem is they did that when he was 12, but now he's a man. Now she's realizing this is the Lord speaking. You see, he calls us to greatness. He calls us to let go of our stinking thinking and come into a renewing of him which will bring you and me into a place of absolute freedom, life, victory, grace, humility, honor, joy, peace. I'll tell you, man, it's, it'll... it'll Woohoo! Rivers of living water come forth out of you. Why? Because the Christ is dining with you on the inside at a new level that you've ever experienced it before. But you know what it's going to take? Letting go of the old. And it's going to cost. And it's going to hurt. But you know what? The reward triples it, quadruples it, millions it. Listen to this, okay? I counsel you to buy from me gold. Do you know how much one ounce of gold is on today's market? One ounce is 1,741 and 30 cents. The current value of all the known gold in the world, I don't even know what this figure is, but it's this. I'm going to read out the figures. I tried to have a PowerPoint tonight, but it didn't work. Okay. It's nine. It might, this might be nine trillion. Nine, comma, 
397, 826, 090, 410. What's that? 9 trillion. That'd be pretty awesome in your bank account, wouldn't it? How many people think the gold that Jesus has got on offer is greater than that? That doesn't even compare to the gold that Jesus has on offer. Then he says this in verse 19. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore be zealous and repent. Those whom I love. A good father edifies and corrects. If I just leave my children edification, they're going to turn spoiled little brats. They need edification, correction, a rebuke at times. All scripture is God-breathed for what? Edification, encouragement, correction, straightening up. Why? So you walk in the maturity and the fullness of what God has for you. Now let me read you verse 21. He who overcomes. Okay? He who overcomes. Woo! I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my Father on His throne. You see, the church is to overcome, literally. And if we will walk this out in humility with His Word and love one another enough to cover all the rubbish that comes out of us, because He's given us a new spirit. It's not about any of that stuff. He died for all that, but He says, Come on! Come on, get on the horse. David's our example. The man killed the man, had an adultery, and God said, I see your heart. Imagine being named that. He's a man after my heart. What a statement. This man models my heart. God's looking for a people who model his heart. And he will promise to come in and dine and bring us into a reality that sits outside of us all today. And it's called a greater reality of the kingdom of God. But what's it for? You see, this life is a practice for a greater reality we're moving towards. And he says, here you go. The churches, the church that overcomes. I'm going to promise, I'm going to grant you that you will sit with me in my kingdom, in my throne. Now is so important. The now. To live this life together. Who, who thinks this is a huge leap? I do. It's almost so big, it's like catastrophic. Oh man, how are we ever going to do that? Together. Because we can't do it on our own. But you know what? He stands there and he says... I gave you my Holy Spirit, the power. I gave you my word. Come on. Come on. Run this race. Paul said it this way. I fight a good fight. I've fought. I've been abused. I've been smacked. I've been persecuted. I've been stoned. I've been thought to be killed. 
I've been whipped five times, 39 times, and I've run well, and I'm running towards my inheritance. Colossians 3, 24. He was a trumpet to the church, calling the church in this movement to be this reflection of God on the earth. That the church would come into the unity of the faith, the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That the church would do the works of service that God has for them, spirit-led works. And that they would come to the full measure, the full stature of Him, which is the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. Fully functioning in this beautiful typology picture of a person. And he longs and he waits for a church to model the manifold wisdom of God on the earth, which the heavenly realm is waiting for us to model. That's in Ephesians. So our world looks at the church and goes, Can I join you? Because I ain't seen love like that. I ain't seen grace like that. I haven't seen life like that. I haven't seen anything like that on this stinking earth. Jesus, you're Jesus. Christ in us is the hope of glory. God wants us to come more and more and more into that reality because he says, if any man or woman is thirsty, let him come to me and there will be rivers that burst forth that you cannot contain because it's me and people will see it and respond to it let's stand Lord I thank you Father I thank you for this community called The Rock I thank you for everybody that has decided made a commitment to make this their place of restoration and transformation and to become this body that you long for us to become and I pray into next Sunday I pray God that as you knock that we would Even if we don't understand it, Lord, we take a step of faith and be obedient and just come with a hungry heart and an expectant heart to see what you're going to do. Not only Sunday, but Lord, Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday as we engage with you at a level of dining with you. As we chew the food together, Lord, as we take your word and chew the food, chew it over and allow it to shape in us, Lord, that the the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. And its purpose is to cut and to prune and to cut away and to judge thoughts and attitudes of our hearts that we would be restored and, and acknowledge those things and forgive us of those things and come into this reality, God, as a community. And that we would love each other enough to cover the sin, to cover our shortcomings, to cover our failings and our insecurities and our jealousies and and all the things that bind us and hold us. And that we would put on love for one another. True community, truly God's people, modeling something on the earth. God, help us to live like that. Help us bring the spirit of revelation into my heart to live like that, Lord, to appropriate this thing I'm saying in a greater measure today. Father, you have the best of the best of the best. 
And at times we're going to go through suffering to receive it, Lord. You say rejoice in suffering. Rejoice in tribulations and trials when they come. Rejoice the fact that you're feeling a little bit... Because I'm doing a work. It's me. I'm doing a work. I'm trying to show you something where you're at, where you're not at, where I want you to be. Because you're on the outside of something that I want to bring you into by the Spirit. But God would say to you today, it's going to require you letting go. It's going to require you to let go and seek Him like you've never sought Him before. Those that are maybe speaking something, seek them out. Ask questions. Don't write it off. Seek Him. Don't just accept it. Seek Him. And if it is truth, He will reveal it to you. Because the Spirit said He will lead us into all truth and He will lead you, show you that it's deception. Either way, God looks for faith and obedience. And so, Father, I just want to thank You, Lord, for the work You're doing here. I want to thank You, God, that You're orchestrating You're building, you're putting all this together. I want to thank you, Father. And I pray, Lord, that we would humble ourselves. That we would humble ourselves and seek you. Pray to you. And you would heal not only our land, but our hearts. And bring us into a greater reality, Lord. And heal the land. Heal this nation. This godly nation, Lord that needs restoring, that's going to the toilet at 100 miles an hour, where young boys are getting and girls are getting killed in the womb and, and it's two and three years old, Lord, because the family is being ripped apart. Lord, I pray for marriage. I pray for the, 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 the joining together of male and female for the functioning role. Lord, we stand, stand and want to model God. We want to model kingdom. We want to live it, not just say it, not just get on a placard. But God, the greatest thing we could do is live it and model it. And from that perspective, then speak and bring a reality so people see it, not just hear about it. So I pray for Christian marriages, Lord. I pray you would strengthen them. I pray that the two would become literally one because you are the other person in the marriage. Father, so I pray for every marriage, every Christian marriage in this community, and I pray in the churches, Lord, that we would model something that is so powerful, so restorative, so healthy, God, that those in Rome, those in the world would look and go, what on earth are we doing this for? This can work. This is the design. This is the way it's always supposed to have been. Because look at it. We don't have this. We've tried legislation. We've tried all these other things. But nothing works. Why? Because this is design. And it is of you, Father. And so, God, I lift up every marriage. And I pray that men would love their wives with agape love as you love us. And they would serve their wives and their children. Lord, it would be a leadership that's subservient to you, submitted to you, and that it would lift. And I pray that our wives, Lord, would submit to this authority, would submit to this loving servant leadership, and together be molded as one to bring a family up in that environment of kingdom to influence neighborhoods and communities where it starts in a city and a nation.
So I pray today, Lord, that as the church we would more and more start to mature, more and more start to grow, more and more, as the Bible says, be pillars that support you on this earth.